This is AmateurLogic.tv, episode 64, for March 15, 2014. Vegemite or die. Amateur Logic is brought to you by Gigaparts.com, the amateur radio online superstore, where you can get the LDG IT100 Auto Tuner for only $159.95 and free shipping. Use the promo code ALTV and get an additional $10 off through the end of March. MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at MFJEnterprises.com. And by ICOM, HF, VHF, UHF, ICOM has you covered wherever you go. Welcome to another episode of AmateurLogic.tv. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And it's great to be back with you again. Those uh, watching on the live stream have had a special treat tonight. So, uh, you, you know. <laughs> All the behind-the-scenes stuff we didn't even show when we did it behind the scenes. Exactly. Yeah, they'll probably see some of this in, oh, as bloopers in the recorded oh, version. Yeah, there are plenty show. of those. Well, what have you been up to, Tommy? Man, I've been playing around with my Arduino a lot. That, really? Uh, yeah, I actually made my segment this month with it. Uh, you know, cool. I've been having a lot of fun with that thing. Yeah, what about you, Peter? Well, I've spent the last three weeks solid trying to build this. Just hang on a second. Oop. This is a metal detector. is isn't quite finished yet, but I hope to have it in a future episode. And uh, I've had it working, and it's uh, quite good. But I'm um, just having a few teething problems at the moment. <laughs> yeah, we've been watching you on Facebook talk yeah. about building that. And uh, me, well, I've just been busy trying to get all this stuff that just uh, kind of went berserk working. Yeah. So. Back to square one? Uh, no, we, we're past square one now. You can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> it's working good. Yeah, it is working pretty good. Um, just been playing with a few different things around here. I'm going to show a little bit about uh, entry-level uh, decoding digital modes tonight and for those who are new to ham radio or those who are not even hams but have access to a shortwave radio you can do it on the cheap and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight it's a lot of fun i haven't done any in a while so uh yeah, digital yeah. modes are popular and cheap is extra popular cheap is extra popular especially it for me so. is. well it's kind of isn't that on the um on the general exam somewhere yeah it should yeah, be it should be well, what have you got on your email stack over there tonight, Tommy? Man, I got one from Gordon, uh, VA3TWT. It says, I just finished watching episode 62 and was excited to see you reviewing the DHAP. I ordered one last week and I'm waiting for it to arrive. Like you, I have a small 12-volt monitor that I would like to connect to the DHAP. Could you provide the details of that cable that you made for it? Also, would you have a source for the portable USB hub? Well, actually, the USB hub was just, uh, I think I got it at probably Walmart. It was just a real cheap one. Uh, it wasn't powered. I think it maybe cost me like $9. Yeah. And as far as the cable for my uh, 
DHAP. I went to Radio Shack while it's still around, and I got a 2.1 by 5.5 millimeter uh, coaxial power connector, and it just happened to fit the DHAP and my monitor, so it just did it uh, shield to shield, or you know, ring to ring, and, mm -hmm. and tip to tip, and, and it works fine. Cool. Well, that's that's good to know. Peter, what's on your stack down there? Well, I've got an email here from Walter, and he uh, uh, makes reference to the episode that I did on the Canberra Deep Space Communication Complex. He asks the question, what group was playing the bumper music at the start of your episode 53 Canberra Deep Space Com Complex episode? Uh, I started watching on my Roku last year sort of inconsistently, now catching up and have watched all from 38 to 62. We'll now go back and start at number one. Uh, the music is Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod, and uh, he provides a lot of music uh, free of charge, royalty-free music uh, for podcasters and other people uh, wishing to uh, use music in their productions. You can uh, go look at his music at incompetech.com, I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H dot C-O-M. Okay, and this YouTube link here, I guess, is a... Uh a link to uh, some of this material as well. Well, that's actually the uh, uh, the actual song that was playing at the beginning of the uh, 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 when, when in, in my uh, uh, segment. Uh, so, uh, if you go um, go and have a look at that video, you'll recognise the music immediately. Cool. Well, let's get on into some video here. We we tried to give a sneak peek of it just a moment ago for those who. Uh, <laughs> We're tuned in before we officially started the show. But we're going to talk a little bit about digital modes now and how to do it on the cheap and how to do it on the easy. Today, we're going to take a look at digital modes on HF. And we're going to do it very simply here. We're just going to listen. We're not going to attempt to transmit. So if you've never worked digital modes before, here's something you can do to kind of get started with it. Or even if you're not a ham and you have a shortwave receiver of some type, you can do this too. First thing we do is we tune to the portion of one of the bands where there are some digital communications going on. On 20 meters, down around 14.089 megahertz, you'll find some digital signals of various types. I can hear some in the background there right now. These aren't really sounding very good, and there's a reason for that. The first thing you got to do, if you've got any filtering on your rig... You're going to need to turn that off because it's interpreting the digital signals as being noise. So first thing we'll do is turn off our notch filter here. That lets a little signal through and also turn off any DSP noise reduction. Now we can hear signals there where before it was just some uh, clicks and chirps. So how do you get started? Well, if you've got a rig like this IC7700 here, you've got a decoder already built in it. The first thing I want to do on this rig is just go into the mini scope here where I can see the signals on the band. And I'll switch over to ready mode. And I'll also turn on the decoder. Now, we can see right here a little display that's going to show us the peaks. You know, ready has two tones to make a signal. And we can see both of these. What we do is just peek them there on the two lines in the rig. And that's how we'll know that we're on frequency. And we can see those two peaks are lined up right there, and it's decoding some ready right now. It's uh, decoding W1AW, the ARRL's flagship station. And you can see a little noise in between transmissions there. That's not unusual. 
uh, we could turn up our squelch or RF gang there to get rid of that if we wanted to. That's not what I'm here to talk about today. You know, most folks don't have a rig that has a decoder already built in it. So let's just look at this using a regular type of receiver and our PC sound card. So we'll come back out of all this, and we'll just go back into regular sideband mode here. And we'll tune until we hear those ready sounds. There, we can hear them right there. Now, what we do is we feed the output of this rig from the speaker jack into the input on our sound card, and then we run some software. And there are several different packages out there. The one I usually use is from Ham Radio Deluxe. It's their Digital Master 780 package that comes with the program. You can see down here at the bottom of the screen, there's our two tones right there. And they're being decoded up here in the receive window. And we can see other stuff going on on the band either side of the frequency we're tuned on. But it's only decoding what's highlighted right here. If I had not tuned to this exact spot, if I was off just a little bit, the tones would sound different, and you'd notice that they're showing up on a different place on the display here. All we got to do is click over here so that it can tune back in and pick up right there. Now, I've got the AFC mode turned on. You can see the button up here at the top, and what that does is it'll automatically, within certain range, adjust the frequency here up or down as need be because a lot of times both stations that you're hearing here will be on slightly different frequencies and the software can automatically retune to get right on top of the frequency that that particular station is transmitting on. Right now W1AW is just ID and I suppose he's waiting for someone to come back to him. And we could do that but uh, we're not transmitting today so we're just going to listen here for a minute and C, and there's a station picking him up now, N2ESP. And you notice right there, there's a slight shift in frequency between these two stations, but our software is correcting itself to keep everything tuned in properly. Now, this is the middle of the morning, and there's not a lot of activity right now. At night, and uh, particularly during a contest, you'll see these signals all up and down the display here. Ready's not the only mode there is, so let's take a look at another really popular digital mode. And that's PSK31. And I've changed frequencies here a little bit to try to find some PSK31. And I think I found some signals there. Same thing applies here. If you've got any filtering on, you better turn that off or else it's going to kind of cancel out your tones. We'll see our PSK31 signal right here. And you notice it's much narrower than the Ridi signal was, so it doesn't take as much bandwidth. And we're decoding right now. It looks like it's W4RSD. Now, the band's not very crowded this morning. Typically at night, you would see these signals just filling up the display here. You'd find one you're interested in, go click on it, and you'll notice every now and then there's some characters that don't belong in the decode here. That's because the signal has just dropped or some noises come in there and it just can't quite make it out. And these are very weak signals here. I can barely hear them, but the software is decoding it. Now here's another station up here. I think he's probably running a different mode. If we click on him, we can take a look. Yeah, we're not getting anything there. Now, let's go look for another popular digital mode. 
probably the oldest one. This is CW, or Continuous Wave, and it's Morse code. We can see several stations on here right now. Let's just pick out a strong one and go click on him and see what he's saying. Now, since a human is sending the CW signal here, his timing might not be exactly on the money like a machine would be, so the software could have a little more problems decoding it. We've got two different signals going over there now. We can just click on whichever one we're interested in. Now, amateur traffic's not the only thing you're going to find on Ready. Right here on 8.472, I'm picking up WLO, which is a ship-to-shore station located in Mobile, Alabama. You can see right now they're sending the weather forecast. Now, there are a ton of digital modes out there. Digital Master 780 decodes a lot of them, but there's a lot more, and some of them are encrypted. You'll never be able to decode them, but it's a lot of fun. So tune around, see what you can hear, run it into your software, and see if you can decode it. It can be a lot of fun. So there you go, a little introduction to the digital modes on HF, and, and strictly receiving, you know, I... Uh, didn't get into transmitting this time, and I didn't talk about using transformers to isolate the audio. But, you know, you can get away with that if you're just receiving. Just come yeah. out of your speaker jack on the, the rig, go into a line input on your computer, and you got it. Yeah, and that, that's easy enough that people that don't have their ticket yet and aren't exactly. really knowledgeable can kind of get their feet wet, see what all's out there. There's some cool stuff hidden out there in the bands that you can't really here with your ear there is it and you know there's a lot more stuff out there 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 were some i i never figured out what mode they were running and and i mentioned there were some that uh, were encrypted but uh, a lot of interesting things you can even find news on there and, yeah. and stuff like that uh, a lot of ship to shore stuff like i mentioned peter nice uh, did you know that uh, in fact number stations some of them actually will send digitally using a whole range of digital modes so you've got CW, I believe there's some RTTY ones, um, and some are encrypted. Well, sorry, they're all encrypted, but uh, uh, in the sense that they, you know, you couldn't decrypt the mode, but others, you know, you might be ready, but it'll just come out as a series of numbers. Yeah. Well, you know that uh, WLO station from Mobile that, that I received mm -hmm. there, they uh, were sending, uh, you know, like weather information, they would send it as ready, and then there would be text on there. It says now switching to sitor mode, and then it would come in, and you know it, it was just garbled because I was trying to decode ready. Didn't have sitor as a mode, and uh, you know, in uh, ham radio deluxe or digital That's master. That's cool. I've never actually even heard of that one, honestly. Yeah. Have I, you? I don't believe so. Yeah. There's another one out there, uh, Pactor. Yeah, I've heard of that uh, one. That one's uh, apparently that's a standard on. Uh, on seagoing vessels, and there's only like, I think maybe one company that makes modems for that, and they're they're kind of expensive. Yeah, I might be mistaken, but I almost think my old MFJ uh, TNC might too. have done that one. I think they did. Gigaparts is the largest independent amateur radio dealer in the nation. Everything you need for ham radio, including books, DVDs, antennas, rope, coax, and tuners. Gigaparts has it all and is open Monday through Saturday. Call us toll free at 866-535-4442.
and our friendly staff will be happy to help you find the right products for nearly any project and budget. Online shopping made easy with real-time pricing and availability and free shipping on most orders. Go to gigaparts.com and enter to win a free radio. Have a question? Click on live chat for a quick answer. Low prices? Huge selection. America's favorite ham radio store is Gigaparts. Gigaparts wanted me to talk about this LDG IT 100 auto tuner. I had a, an older model of this, an LDG Z100. Mm-hmm. This is a little newer model. It's made specifically to go with ICOM radios, and it's uh, it's a little bigger than the one that I had. But what's nice about this one is that uh, in any of the LDG tuners, is you know some of your rigs they have tuners built in them, mm-hmm. but uh, those will usually only tune like uh, up to a three to one SWR. If you're past that, that tuner can't touch it. These can go much further right here. And this one does not have external power on it. There's a jack here in the back. You've got a cable that you just plug in. And then the other end of it just connects to your ICOM rig, your uh, mobile or base, either one. Oh, wow. And then you uh, connect from your transmitter to here. And they send a little patch cable along with it. This is look at that patch cable. Tell me, aren't, yeah. aren't those some nice? This is good looking PL two fifty nine right there. Man. That's what I thought you would say. These are <laughs> these are silver plated Teflons, and I don't think they're Chinese either. I think these are the that's the good stuff, the genuine thing right here. But you run that patch cord from here on to your transceiver, hook your antenna up on this side, and there's a wing nut on here for ground. And you do want to connect your ground on a on an auto tuner. Mm-hmm. Uh, or on any tuner for that matter, but there's no external power. Once you've got this connected, all you've got to do is hit the tune button on the front of your ICOM rig, and this thing will automatically tune. You hold that button in for one second, and then you'll hear it clicking and doing its thing. Uh, Once it gets tuned, it'll stop right there. Your rig will say on the front that it's tuned, and if you've already been to that frequency before, it's got memory stored in here, so it knows that. So next time you hit that button and you're tuned to the same frequency, it can go straight to it. So it doesn't take long to oh, tune. that's cool. And it doesn't really get any easier than that right there, man. No, that's uh, pretty much as simple as it gets yeah. right there. And these are you know, probably the best quality and the fastest auto tuners around. It's also got a tune button right here on the front of it that you could use if you wanted to manually tune. And when you do that, uh, if you hold it in for a second, it'll do just... Like what I said, if it can find it in memory where you've been to that frequency before, it goes straight to it. If it can't, then, you know, it it goes through the long gyration of finding the best combination of inductors and capacitors Mm -hmm. in here. But if you want to force it to retune, if you've already been on this frequency before, but you think, you know, my antenna's changed a little bit and I think this thing could do better, you hold in on that button a little longer and that forces it to go to to manually tuning again and it skips a memory channel so that... You know you got the best tune. There's SWR and the tuning indicators here on the front, so you know the status of the unit. Also, you can hit the button one time. If it's if the tuner's on and it disengages it, you can hit it again, and it brings it back on. So so very simple to operate. Uh, these are made specifically for the ICOM rigs, and LDG has some, you know, for other rigs as well. You can get these at Gigaparts. 
and they got a special right now. Normally these go for $179. Right now, Gigaparts has got them for just $159.95. Well, there you go. And free shipping, too. Oh, man. And we'll even make it better than that. If you'll use the offer code ALTV uh, when you place your order, you'll get an extra $10 off of it. Can't beat that. Yeah. So thanks, Gigaparts, for uh, sponsoring Amateur Logic and bringing us good deals on these LDG tuners. Tommy, I think we'll get back into the emails right now. I've got one here, and this comes from uh, Nuno. It's CT2HCK. And he says, Hi, George. I love your show, and I wait eagerly for each new episode. Nowadays, I live in Germany, and I didn't bring my radio with me. And so he's kind of lost contact with ham radio. He says he still have friends uh, that want to sell around the world, but they have no clue about ham radio. And he wanted to know uh, what's the best way to you know, learn about your license exam. He says, Unfortunately, the exam is very technical. And does not cover all the important stuff about ham life, like all the uh, possible modes and uh, interesting things you can do and how to operate. Uh, He wanted to know, did I know of any book that would cover ham radio operation in greater detail from an operator's viewpoint? Uh, And he says that means nothing from the ARRL handbook. Uh, And he's also the one who told me about PACTOR. You know, that's uh, the mode that... uh, they need to uh, work from ships and, you know, to uh, get facts and different communications. Uh, and he says it's very expensive, and he was wondering if there were some alternatives. Well, there might be some alternatives, but I'm not a sailor myself. My father was back in World War Two, but, uh, I, you know, I, I really don't know the answer to that. As far as books, I would say anything by Gordon West, particularly his... Uh, Technician study guide is my, my son uh, studied that here uh, last year and took his technician and his general. He said the technician book was very helpful, that it had uh, a lot of good information in it. And um, so I would recommend that. Also, uh, the book from uh, Don Keith, we talked about it in uh, the last episode, mm-hmm. so you could go back and look at that. And, and we actually did an interview with him there, and you could learn more about that. Gordon West books or uh, that one by Don Keith, I think you would be happy with either one of those. Peter, what's on your email stack? Yes, I've got a, an email here from Pete, N8OER. And Pete says, I viewed your latest video and say the segment uh, saw the segment on the Raspberry Pi camera. Well, I found a great app for the camera that does all the controls built into one window. It's Pi Vision and does all the things that you can do using the Raspberry Vid or Raspberry Still, and I can see some installs using the Raspberry Cam programs. It's easy to install, just download, unpack, and uh, just remember to, to set it to executable under file properties permissions. Uh, also, there's a way to set up a NAS on the Pi, whatever that is. This makes it easy to copy or move files to and from the Pi. And uh, he's provided us with a, uh, a link for that. And another link also for the network setup. Uh, 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 so if you go there, that'll explain how to set up the network. Uh, setting up the network is a little tricky, but you only have to do it once. I enjoy all the great work you and the others do. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Pete. Tommy, I bet you know what a NAS is. Network attached storage? Yep. Yep. We uh, we played around with that. Well, yeah, we have played around with that a little bit. Yeah. 
As a matter of fact, my old uh, NAS box went bad. I need to be building me another one out of Raspberry Pi. Yeah, like NAS Pi. NAS Pi. Yeah. <coughs> hmm. <laughs> Why did I think Vegemite when you said that? <laughs> I don't hey, know. Because you've been thinking about us, why you probably got that sweat busting out on your forehead. It thing. probably is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Well, I've got a um, another um, thing here. This is this is a photo that was sent to us by a viewer, and it's Alfred P. Newman. Yeah. And he says, according to Mad Magazine, uh, long ago, kids, don't try this at home. And that came to us from Brent Carter. Yeah, you better uh, look at him quick because he's probably not going to be there much longer after he starts at soldering. He's probably not. You're <laughs> right. Alfred P. Newman, I remember seeing him when uh, I was a kid. and When I first moved here to Mississippi, I had a friend. I promise you, he looked just like that guy. Really? What, me, was he? Huh? <laughs> like, like Alfred Pre Newman. You're like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Tommy, um, I think we ought to see what Peter's been up to down yeah. there. Peter, give us a little introduction to your next, uh, next I tried to say NAS, yeah. to your well, next video segment here. Well, to put it simply, you asked for it, literally. Um, this is a segment that George and Tommy asked me to produce, and here it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. This month, George and Tommy asked me to put together a segment which explains a little bit about how my end of amateur logic is put together every month. So we're going to cover a little bit about the equipment, the lighting, the sound, and also uh, basically the steps that I go through to put together my part of amateur logic every month. So let's get started. Let's start with the video camera that I use, which is the third video camera that I've used in amateur logic to date. It's a Canon Legria HFG10, and it comes with an internal 32 gigabyte hard drive. It has a couple of SD card slots, and it's also got a jack for an external microphone, which is really, really important. You're probably wondering how it was that I managed to film my own video camera. No, it's not done with smoke and mirrors or any digital effects. I simply borrowed my daughter's Kodak ZX1 portable weather-resistant video camera. It shoots in HD, although not full HD, and it has a socket for an external microphone, so it's rather useful for portable use. It's a superseded model, but you can pick them up quite cheaply now, and they work really, really well. I generally use a tripod to hold my video camera, but there are times when you need to put your video camera in a place where you can't actually put a tripod and for example over a table. So when that's the case I generally use this. It's a little G-clamp which I purchased off a well-known auction site on the internet and as you can see you can clamp this to something like a table and then you can rotate the camera which is mounted here around to whatever angle you like. It's a very very useful device. The next piece of equipment that I use is a Shure PG48 microphone. It's a budget microphone, but it's a good workhorse, and I find it works pretty well. It's certainly not a high LPR40, but for uh, general usage on podcasts, I find it quite acceptable. There are times when I don't want to use my Shure microphone. For example, I might need to move around a little bit, 
or I simply don't want the uh, microphone in shot. So instead, I'll use this. It's a Radio Shack lavalier microphone, and it's wired. It comes with a clip and, of course, uh, a plug which goes into my camera. What I've found is that wireless microphones tend to have a bit of uh, hiss and crackle in the background, whereas this is much, much quieter. Here's the lighting setup that I use for most of my segments. As you can see, I've got a couple of light fittings that I purchased at IKEA. And as you'd expect, they come flat packed, so you've got to assemble them. They're basically a pole with a globe on top. And then you've got a spiral on the outside with paper between the spirals. Now what happens is when you turn the globe on, the light gets dissipated by the paper. And so you're less likely to get shadows, which makes it perfect for background lighting for podcasting. The globes I use are Philips 20 watt daylight fluorescence. And the one thing you've got to note is that you, you need to set the a white balance on your camera uh, to suit the particular globes that you're using. In previous episodes of Amateur Logic in the hosting, you would have seen me chroma keyed in. What I did was I got some green felt and I've made up a green screen. As you can see, it's on uh, a couple of uh, stilts here. And I would put that behind me uh, with myself sitting on a chair, making sure that I wasn't wearing anything green, and film myself talking to George and Tommy in the United States. When the video was finished, I would compress that and upload that to the United States, where in post-editing, George would chroma key me into his background. Here's the quad-core computer that I use for video editing. You need a pretty strong computer to handle the video editing tasks because there's lots and lots of calculations involved. I've put my computer into a homemade box here, and the idea is that I'm trying to minimise the amount of noise uh, that the computer makes when I'm filming. Typically, I'm using Skype video when I'm talking to George and Tommy and we're doing the hosting, and so I want to keep my computer noise to a minimum in the background but I still have to have my computer running for Skype. My preferred video editing suite is Sony Vegas Movie Studio HD Platinum 11. It's got loads of features and is really, really easy to learn and to use. One point I would make about video editing, though, is although you've got all these features, I don't think that you should necessarily use them. I find that uh, some video makers on the internet tend to overdo the special effects, with the result that you end up detracting away from whatever the subject of the video is actually about. So when you see me doing, for example, transitions, where uh, you know I might go from one particular piece of video to another particular piece of video, you'll see that I'll just cut straight from one to the other or just do a simple fade. When Skyping with George and Tommy, I use a Logitech HD webcam. I find that uh, that gives really, really good image quality. I think it's uh, 1080i for the particular model that I've got, which I think was a C9000. But there are newer models now that will give 1080p video, which is even better. I can recommend it, and they're, they're relatively inexpensive. Finally, after I've made my videos, I might want to convert them into another format. So I use a program called Super. It's free and it can convert from a wide range of formats to a whole range of format. It's very flexible and uh, quite easy to use. The other program I use is FileZilla, which is an FTP client. 
Using FileZilla, I can upload my finished videos to a server in the United States, which can be accessed by George and Tommy for editing purposes. It's good to see how you do it down under. Yeah, rut row. Rut row. That's a lot of Scooby-Doo there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's uh, my rumpus room for my kids. Uh, They've got... uh, uh, stuff all over the walls. Um, I'll say this: uh, mo- you don't actually need to have a huge budget to do podcasting or, or put together a, a decent um, uh, uh, production. The main things are: make sure your sound is is as good as you can get it. Okay, uh, you've got to spend a little bit of extra money. Spend it there, um, and just a, a, a good quality camera and a bit of thought into your production. And uh, I'm sure you'll produce something that's terrific. Good tips. Good tips. Yeah, don't do like we do. Do like we say. Is that what? <laughs> is that what he was saying, Tommy? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, great stuff, Peter. We're glad to. And we didn't even know some of this stuff that you were doing. This is our our first um, yeah notice of it. So uh, good you brought us up to speed there on that. Well, let's get on back into the emails here. I've got one from, uh, and I'm probably going to pronounce it right, and Arnie can call me out on this. It's uh, it's Gorin or Gorin. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. S A six A V T, and uh, he said that he just watched episode sixty three of Amateur Logic, and he saw some old friends. And I'm glad you pushed the right button for me, Tom. No problem. I saw an old friend there for a minute too. <laughs> he said he started at uh, 47 minutes and 25 seconds where we were showing some old military radios and believe it or not the portable one that uh, was an AN slash PRC 77 and it's still in service in the armed forces in Sweden he says in Sweden the station is named RA 146 manufactured by Associated Industries around the year 1970 he thinks and he says, I don't believe any radio station uh, manufactured today will last that long. He's a member of the voluntary, uh, voluntary radio organization in Sweden, and it's an organization like Mars. He says that they have a few AN-VRC-12s, and um, we call them RA-422s. It's a heavy piece of equipment, not portable. And uh, they're still going strong, though. He said, take a look at his QRZ form at uh, SL6ZAK, and uh, you can see his club station. It's located at JO57WQ in Gothenburg, Sweden. Uh, He said, my best to Tommy and Peter, and keep up the fantastic work on Amateur Logic TV. Uh, Thanks, Gurren. We... uh, Appreciate the comments there. I didn't know what those radios were. I, I really didn't know that they were from Sweden. Yeah, you know? I, I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. So, yeah, the, you know those that whole deal with the trucks there? Mm-hmm. That actually turned out to be a lot more popular than I thought because my next email is actually along the oh, same wh- lines. What's on your next email there? Yeah, I've got one from Brent, W5FRG. <laughs> he says... Uh, Tommy, I never knew you were related to Jed and all his kin. He used to be a neighbor of mine <laughs> when I lived a few miles north of here in uh, Bug Tussle, Arkansas. But a year or so after he moved to Beverly Hills, we decided to move on down here to Persimmon Ridge. 
a whole lot quieter here. Not nearly as many lovesick country boys trying to get Ellie Mae's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, man, you know, when I saw that truck and we were talking about the gear, like I, I didn't know what that thing was. First thing I thought of was it looks kind of like the, you know, the Clampett's uh, yeah. truck on there. So I just kind of went with it. Well, I didn't even think that until you said it, and then I saw it. All it needed was a rocking chair in the back. <laughs> yep. And, and that would have been it. <laughs> well, you know, MFJ has improved the MFJ uh, 259B. It's now the 259C. And we've got a little bit about that on here, so let's take a look. For years, hams have relied on the world's most popular antenna analyzer, the MFJ259B. That compact battery-powered RF impedance analyzer combined four basic circuits, a 1.8 to 170 megahertz variable frequency oscillator, a frequency counter, a 50-ohm RF bridge, and an 8-bit microcontroller. Now the MFJ259 has been updated to the new MFJ259C. All the same great functions present in the 259B with an expanded frequency range. The MFJ259C covers all frequencies from 530 kHz to 230 MHz, allowing measurements all the way from the AM broadcast band through the 220 MHz amateur band. Make a wide variety of useful antenna impedance measurements, including coaxial cable loss and distance to an open or short. Primarily designed for analyzing 50-ohm antenna and transmission line systems, the MFJ259C also measures RF impedances between a few ohms and several hundred ohms. It also functions as a signal source and a frequency counter. The MFJ259C gives you a complete picture of your antenna's performance. Read antenna SWR and complex impedance, determine velocity factor, coaxial cable loss in dB, length of coax, and distance to a shorter opening feet. Read SWR, return loss, and reflection coefficient at any frequency simultaneously at a single glance. You can even read inductance and microhenries and capacitance and picofarads at RF frequencies. The large, easy-to-read two-line LC screen and side-by-side -side meters clearly display all the information you need. While a lot of new antenna analyzers have appeared in the market recently, none give you the flexibility and wide assortment of RF measurement capabilities the MFJ259C does. If you've been putting off getting an antenna analyzer, then you need to take a look at the new MFJ259C. Visit MFJEnterprises.com today. I've got one of those over there, Tom, and I'm going to be playing with it here, and uh, we'll we'll take a little closer look at it soon. And cool, yeah, that's a nice the, piece of gear. Yeah, see some of the things you can do with it. Well, what have you got for us this month? Well, I told you I was playing around with the Arduino, mm -hmm. and uh, I got my old 857D out and made a heads-up display, or or the startings of a heads-up mm -hmm. display. Today we're going to do a little different project. We're going to use an Arduino Uno. And this little serial LCD display, and we're going to hook it up to my 857D and create a heads-up display for it. A lot of the modern radios have a video output on it, but my old 857D doesn't. I ran across the library from VE3BUX, and it'll actually allow you to control the radio similar to the way Ham Radio Deluxe does, but you'd have to write your own code. It'll in the same respect, it'll read data out of the radio. So I'm going to pull the frequency out and the mode of operation, and we'll display it on the little two-line display. I was going to use my TV out that you saw me use previously for this project, but 
I fought with it and fought with it, and there's some type of a conflict between the two libraries that those devices use, um, and I haven't been able to resolve it. If I can get that worked out in a future date, I'll, I'll let you know about that, because that would have been an ideal display. But this is going to be good as well, because I think I'm going to make myself a small little uh, aluminum angle bracket and put this in a, in a really small box and, and mount it real neatly up above. So I don't have anything obtrusive, you know, blocking much of my view. I'm going to have a small display that I can kind of glance down to see my frequency and mode. Now, I don't use this radio in the vehicle very much, so I'm going to... When I do mine, I'll make it kind of portable where it'll go in and out. But I found the pinouts for my cat port on the back of my radio in the manual. Yours should be in yours as well. I only need three wires. I need a transmitter, receive, and the ground wire. I've got those hooked up to the den that fits my radio. And coming from the radio, I've got the receive on pin two, the transmit on pin three, and the ground is hooked up over here on the ground past pin 13. Now for my serial display here, it, it takes three wires and, and I've got it hooked up as well. It needs a plus five, a ground, and one serial line. So I've got those two, the plus five and the ground hooked up on this side and the yellow wire goes to pin six for the serial to send the text to the unit. And that's, that's all it takes to make it work. On a side note, I probably should have added another wire, and, and I may go back and do that yet. But this port actually feeds 13 volts, 13.8 volts. And I should have used a four conductor wire and probably brought 13.8 volts up to the Arduino and used a little regulator to step it down to 12 volts to power the Arduino. Like it is, I'm gonna have to run a separate line to, to power it, but it's not a big deal because where I plan on putting the Arduino in the vehicle, uh, there's a fuse box right there beside it. Um, but anyway, keep that in mind if you put this project together for this for yourself. You may want to take that route. So I've got everything already hooked up. My radio's powered up. We're going to need to go in the radio and make sure that it's set to send data to the cat port. And you can look in your manual for that. Mine was really simple. If you go into the menu, uh, menu number 20 switches between cat and linear so I want mine for cat we'll change over here to menu 19 and I've got the cat port set to 4800 baud that's what the default was and it was fast enough for me I didn't really see any need to change it you can do whatever suits your fancy on that let's load up the code and review it and kind of show you what we're doing here so I'm declaring my software serial library, which comes with the Arduino IDE. That's what we're going to use to communicate with the serial port on the display unit to actually send the text that we want. I'm set display pin as number six. I've got a delay of 250 milliseconds here. I've got a string that says mode, one for frequency, since those are the two bits of data I'm going to display on each of the lines of my display. And I'm declaring my library as a cat device. And the library was 857, FT857D. And here I'm creating LCD display as a software serial object for that library. We're defining the pin as an output for the 
to write to the display. And we're going to go ahead and setting it high and opening the serial port for it at 9600 baud, which is how I have the display configured. Delay a little bit and let that serial port get opened and functional. And then I'm sending some commands to the display. Now these will probably be different for whatever display you decide to use on yours. So for mine, the character 12 clears the display, 17 turns the backlight on, and then I put a little bit of a delay in there to let everything get set up and ready for commands. And then I send the command connecting at, move to the next line by sending the form feed character, character 13, at 4800 baud. And then I wait three seconds for it to get set up. And then I send the 12 to clear it again. And then we open up the cat device at 4800 baud. Remember we set that in our menu item as that. And we begin a regular program loop. I just delay my 250 milliseconds, which is a quarter of a second. Get the frequency and go ahead and display it on the first line using STR FREQ, which we defined up here. It's going to be FREQ colon. And then we go down through and we get the mode and we do a little switch command which goes through and test which mode we're in. So if we're in FM, it'll display the text I put there, FM. If we're in lower sideband, it'll display LSB and so forth. And it comes down. If we find one that we don't know, then it just displays unknown. And it goes back and does the loop, prints it to the display, goes back and does it all over again so it keeps refreshing the display. It's that simple. Now this library can do a heck of a lot more than this. Uh, I've got one version of it, a little program that I played around with, and I, I wired up some buttons to my Arduino, and I made some uh, hot buttons to go to frequencies that I wanted to keep, which um, there are memory channels in there, but anyway, it's a, it's a fun exercise. But I could jump to whatever HF frequencies and set it to the lower sideband or, or go to my usual FM frequency or two meters that I normally talk on. You know, whatever you want to do. It's a it's really cool library. So let's go ahead and put the code into the Arduino and see what it looks like. So you can see we've got it hooked up and we've got the display here. Get it where you can see it. And I'm going to send it to the unit. Well, let's try it out. Well, you can see what we've got on the display. There are the same. There's our frequency and there's our mode. It's FM. Let's jump down to HF and see what it does. So I'm on uh, 3865.43 <laughs> somehow. 3862. 3862, lower sideband. It's right there on the money. So it, you can see it works. If you want the code for this little sketch, I'll put it up on the show notes after they're posted. Um, it's really easy. I'm going to kind of leave this one at this because we're short on time. Um, there'll be a follow-up segment when I tie it all together. I'm going to build a small bracket out of aluminum and probably put some Velcro on it and, and put the little display up there inside a nice little box. I need to come up with this. Just for your 857D, 
Uh, you can use it with any ones that have cat commands that use serial, um, your icons or whatever you've got that work like that. You just need to look in your manual for the cat commands and go into the source code and change them to match whatever your radio is, and you should be good to go. I, I've read of a lot of people altering it to work with different radios. Again, it's a great library, and it's free. Thanks again to VE3BUX for putting it out there, free for us to use. Um, modify it to fit your radio, look in your manual, get the cat commands, and you can read the source code pretty easily uh, if, you, if you kind of look through it. It'll start to make sense to you. So anyway, give it a try. Let me know what you do with it and uh, enjoy. Man, that thing was so much fun to put together. I had a ball doing that. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it looked like it was. And that'll work with other rigs as well, huh? Yeah, they, I'm trying to make a point of, of that. that. That's the only radio I had with a, with a uh, the cat port on it. But mm -hmm. I would wish I had another one that we could play around with and change the commands. But it's, it's real easy to modify it for whatever you want to use yeah. it with. Cool. That Tommy. Was, could yeah. you make a remote control to remotely control a um, uh, uh, a rig, basically using that same principle? Uh, as long as it's got a cat port and works off of the serial, uh, yeah, absolutely. You could use those little, I think they're 432 megahertz uh, transmitter and receiver modules, probably build something around that. Yeah. Uh, probably could, probably could, I guess. Yeah. I'm not familiar with those. Yeah, I, I've seen those. Yeah, you, you probably could, should be able to. But I, I made a little program with that where you could uh, um, change frequencies and do different things with the push buttons. It was really cool to play around with. Check it out. Yeah, I may have to do that. It did look like a lot of fun. Of course, I got the IC7000, and it's, you know, I've got a heads-up display fit already because there's a PGA port on it. Yeah, see, I was jealous, so I had to make my own. Yeah, and you did, and it worked. Cool. Well, Peter, what's on your email stack? One last email here. This one's from uh, Dave, Victor Echo 3, Oscar, Oscar, India. Well, those could be numeric zeros, hard to tell. Anyway, uh, hi, guys. I'm still a lawyer, loyal amateur logic fan. I wish you guys could produce a show once a week, but I guess we all need day jobs. <laughs> you're quite right. Uh, not sure if you're aware of the podcast Chat with the Designer. C, uh, you can find that at cwcwtd.org. Like your show, found this show to be very informative and gives insight into many radio-related topics. Uh, however, I believe attendance for their show is dwindling, and my fear is that they may not be able to continue delivering this program. It would be great if you could promote their show a bit to get their attendance back up. Yeah, I uh, had a quick listen to it uh, seems like quite an interesting podcast and there are a couple of shows there one particularly around shortwave listening uh, that uh, I'm quite interested in and because uh, I'm travelling by train to work at the moment because my car got run into the back of uh, I, uh, uh, I need something to listen to while I'm on the train so this, this, this will come in handy Cool I, I haven't checked it out yet I'm going to have no, to I'm going to make a note to check that out myself yeah. it sounds interesting It does. What have you got next Tommy? Yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got one more. Uh, actually, this is kind of uh, some fallout from the Jackson Ham Fest. Uh, this is from Ken, K-E-3-F-I-T. He said, hi, Tommy. I enjoy watching, watching you guys every month. Keep up the good work. On the latest episode, you ran across some squirrel-proof rope at the Ham Fest. What is this rope, and where can it be bought? I've got an antenna project planned for the spring, 
and I've also got lots of squirrels. You and me both, man. If you've been following on the Facebook group in my ongoing saga with the squirrels, um, that, th- that was kind of a figment of my overactive imagination. I wish it really was squirrel-proof rope. If I find some, I'll broadcast where you can get it to every am that I know. Um, I'd like to have some myself. So did you put your antenna back up and use this rope? Uh, not yet. I used up the rest of what I've got. I, bought, I did buy the rope, but uh, that's uh, next time it comes down, that's what's going up. Cool. Well, I've got one more email here, and this is uh, this is from Jason Ke Seven VZW, and he says, "I'm watching Amateur Logic sixty two, uh, where you worked on the Echo Pi, and you mentioned that call signs weren't being announced." I was just wondering if somehow Festival would help, if you can pipe the call sign output to Festival, and that would do the trick. Just a fleeting thought, 7-3. Well, thanks for the idea, Jason. Um, Actually, I think that's what the problem is. Um, The developer of that program, the Linkbox, has gone to using a voice synthesizer like Festival. You know, it's a separate program that that will do the uh, text-to-speech. And I think he's kind of neglected the code for the internal uh, voice or speech to text to speech. Yeah. Which actually was playing little WAV files of each alphabet. And that code doesn't work any longer. And uh, I never got an answer from anyone on uh, how to make it work. I looked at the source. I, I, I actually looked at the source. I think I see how to fix it. Do you? Honestly, yeah, I just haven't had a chance to remote into your box here and, okay. and work on it well that's one of my to, on my to-do list yeah i actually have had some more problems with that uh, box it worked great all except for that and kind of hit and miss on receiving dtmf tones but it started disconnecting and the only way i could get it back was to power down rebooting wouldn't do it i actually had to power down the pie Ooh. and um, and let it boot back up that's the only way i could get it to, to work and you know there's a a few people and there's a net on this repeater that it's on that that kind of use it frequently and i yeah. wanted it to be reliable uh-huh. so uh fortunately i got a, a friend down in south mississippi here who uh contacted me and said that he had some of these hp thin client machines and they were new oh. and they've got windows xp embedded in them and uh he's actually brought me a couple there at uh a friend of mine's got them in South Jackson here. I've just got to go pick them up. Oh. And uh, I'm going to get it back on with that. Right now, I've got it back on the old Windows box because I wanted it to be reliable. You know, And it has been cold, so your shop's probably warming up. You think? <laughs> <laughs> the box put out some heat, didn't it? It did. It did. And actually, it did make a difference in here. I could, <laughs> I could tell when it was on. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Mike Morneau, he's in the chat room right now, VE3MIC. He's the guy who, who does all those Photoshops over oh, on yeah. the Google Plus Amateur Logic page. He's got another one for us, Tommy. Oh. This one, uh, uh, well, I think you just need to take a look at it. St. <laughs> <laughs> Patty's Day is coming up soon, so uh, he said he had got us some hats. Now, I don't know if he meant he just did a Photoshop. Or if he actually is sending us some hats. <laughs> but this is a sneak peek here, he said. 
Yeah, we might, we might need that beer to wash down this Vegemite stuff here in a little bit. I think you're probably right. We're not far from that Vegemite, so uh, <laughs> we'll... we'll uh, by the way, George, mm-hmm. uh, I, before I forget, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yep. thank you. I don't think so, it's my birthday yet. No, but it's close. No, the 13th. Yep. The 13th, I remember. So there you yeah. go. Okay, well, thanks, Peter. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, you can see I've got the toast here. While, <laughs> while Tommy's segment was playing, I went and made us some toast real quick and uh, buttered it. So we're getting uh-huh. ready for that trial run on Vegemite here in just a moment. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, ICOM's a good sponsor of Amateur Logic. They've really helped us you know, keep the show going oh, yeah. and, and do things that we couldn't otherwise do. And so let's have a message now from ICOM. HF, VHF, or UHF, ICOM has you covered wherever you go. Check out the IC7410 and IC7200, two HF radios that employ ICOM's signature DSP technology. The IC7410 is an all-mode HF transceiver. It's got dual conversion superheterodyne system, a built-in auto-tuner, and built-in 15 kHz first IF filter, and optional 3 kHz and 6 kHz filters. The IC7200 offers solid performance and digital flexibility. It also includes selectable filter width and shape, excellent receiver performance, and it's compact and rugged, even with a water-resistant front panel. And when it comes to mobiles, have you considered the V8000 for your next adventure on 2 meters? It's got 75 watts of power output in a rugged die-cast aluminum chassis, fast memory channel scanning with dynamic memory scan, complete radio control in the palm of your hand with the versatile mic, backlight customization, and weather scan alert and amateur radio first. And let's not forget ICOM's line of D-Star handheld radios, too. The IC92AD is one rugged VHF-UHF dual bander. Its submersible construction can withstand harsh outdoor elements, dual watch capability, a built-in voice recorder in DV mode, and optional GPS mic. It's great for MCOM and search and rescue. The IC80AD is another dual bander with extended receive coverage. It's the handheld companion to the ID880H mobile rig that I use, and it's an affordable option for hams interested in trying D-Star. It's durable and splash-proof, and it has NOAA weather radio pre-programmed. The UHF D-Star ID31A has so many features for on-to-go operation. It's got built-in GPS. It's compact and lightweight with waterproof construction. It's got a micro SD card slot and repeater list up for quick access to nearby D-Star repeaters. So make sure you visit icomamerica hf vhf uhf for more information on ICOM's line of on-the-go radios. Thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring AmateurLogic.tv. And now, what everyone has been waiting for tonight, Vegemite or die. Everyone but two of us, right? <laughs> Everyone but two of us, you, I think you're you, right. You think we're going to have enough strength to finish the show after we get through with this I don't stuff? know. I've never seen any Vegemite, so why don't you yeah. open the box? I, see, I Googled it to see a picture of it. Now, there's uh, actually two other products which I'd like you to sample if you... Uh, now, don't mind taking a bite afterwards, but okay. they're much sweeter. So uh, wow. uh, I think you'll, uh, even if you don't like the Vegemite, you'll certainly like these other ones. So. When you Google it, Tommy, didn't it say it was processed yeast or something? Yeast extract. Yeast extract. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> 
It sound that sounds tasty. Yeah. yeah. Now, I've got to give you a word of warning, right? Just use about a dime's worth, okay? Just Don't spread yes. it on like jam. Just a little bit. This okay. must be this must be the one with the skull and the crossbones on it, and the yeah. Mm -hmm. Jaffas? Is that what this is, Peter? They're, they're Jaffas, okay? Tim. We have a tradition in in Australia of uh, taking them into cinemas uh, with wooden floors and rolling them down the aisles, which is a waste of a good Jaffa, but still. Huh. And uh, with the other thing you should have there is Tim Tams, which are just uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to get it out of the bubble wrap without causing making oh. too much noise here. It's not working too well. <laughs> it's pretty loud. <laughs> there you go. Tim Tam. Well, Fig Newtons. Yeah, now they're a chocolate biscuit, and they're like fifty percent chocolate. So, uh, but they're terrific. So, um, uh, well worth trying. You, you will like those. Okay, cool. Because I'm still the jury's out on uh, the Vegemite. Yeah. <laughs> but the the, the the Vegemite, you go to YouTube, you'll see, and just Google on uh, uh, Vegemite, you'll see all these Americans uh, <laughs> trying. The stuff, and uh, they all, they always overdo it. They always put too much on. It sealed uh, up really well. I, I think they didn't want it to spill out and cause some kind of a uh, environmental thing. Yeah. So we wouldn't want a toxic spill well, in man, here. It really is in there, good. Yeah. It looks like vitamins. <laughs> there we go. Vegemite. Yeah, now you'd be surprised how long that will last because, as I say, you use the stuff very sparingly. That stuff will so. probably last forever. Yep. <laughs> well, Tommy, why don't you do the honors here? It's yep. heavy. Here we go. Golly, I might have to go get my wife to open the jar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got a, a child-proof lock. Is that what what's going on there? Yep, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to decide what it smells like. To lose my earbud here. Looks all right. Looks I'm like chocolate. Worth, Tommy, just a dime's worth. I'm gonna save half of the toast to wash it down with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sparingly. Yeah, that, a little bit more on that. That's good. Yep. Yep, that's fine. Any more than that, you'll be in hospital. Chocolate uh, frogs, Mike. It looks like says. chocolate. Here you go. Next victim. See, <laughs> did this get checked by the U.S. Department of Agriculture when imported? Uh, probably not. Already? But I, I will say this though: um, you'll note the name Kraft on the uh, uh, the 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 jar. In fact, you Americans actually That's own that dime. <laughs> uh, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do. <laughs> yep. I'm not going to say what on it, there to say, taste it. it. What it looks like when you spread it. Uh -huh. Let's see. There you go. So I do have a little bit on there. Is that too thick, Peter? No, no, no. That's fine. Give that a give that a try. That this good. looks like you can keep your wheelbarrows good condition too. 
Yeah. Probably could use it as grease, yeah. <laughs> all right. I got some on my finger. Is it going to be all right? <laughs> yeah, no, you'll be fine. It won't take the hide off. All right, here we go. Here we go. I'm not. I taste butter. You didn't cut. You didn't put any on there. You need to get a quarter. <laughs> Here, let me break it off where it's, I can get a bit uh, of it. Yeah, it's a, It's not bad. Yeah, it's kind of losing my earbud here. It's kind of different. Yeah, the the um, of the guys in UK, in the UK got something very similar called Marmite, but um, it's got a slightly different flavor. Hmm. I taste it now, and I don't think there's anything that compares with it that that I know of. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a bit of an acquired taste, but you'd be surprised how many kids have that for breakfast. Um, oh. You know, on their toast, it's very, very, very popular. Really? Um, yeah, oh, we're t- you're talking a national dish by, here by people so. that love them. Like mothers give yeah. it to their children? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> On purpose? So it, it, they, they actually advertise it as having a whole lot of uh, vi- uh, vitamins in it, uh, B, B group vitamins. It's actually good for you. Well. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, you might want to try one of the Tim Tams now, <laughs> which is uh, you'll find a lot sweeter. You need that? Um, maybe not. Let's see. Now, there's a thing called the Tim Tam Slam you can do, where you get a cup of coffee, and you actually bite off the end of the Tim Tam at both ends, and you suck the coffee through Don't. the Tim Tam, but uh, well, probably a bit much to do today. Do you dip it in the Vegemite, Peter, and then no, eat no, it? No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, hmm. Now that one's good. Mm-hmm. That is good. This is like um, like a wafer. What do they call those? You know, they're usually white here, but this one's chocolate. Yeah. But you can actually get a white chocolate version of that. Those uh, planks or whatever they mm-hmm. call it, some kind of plank. Yeah. I, th- I thought I was going to need the Vegemite antidote. I brought it here. <laughs> but uh, looks like I may be able to take that mm-hmm. back home with me. So do you give the Vegemite a thumbs up or a thumbs down or eh, quite? I give it a thumb sideways. I'm not really sure about that one. Yeah, yet. it's. Um, I'll put it this way: it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It, I guess, it would be an acquired taste. It, it's really stout, but I don't know what to compare it with. I, I would, you know, I, I could see it. It almost had a little bit of a, something. Was a, I, I almost liked it, but I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. You could eat it if you were stranded on a desert island, you know. Well, Australian <laughs> island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Somebody's asking, uh, is, is there a difference between Marmite and Vegemite? And the answer is yes. They're very similar, but they do have a slightly different uh, taste. So those things, though, they're, um, they're like a big Kit Kat, basically. Mm-hmm. Probably the best way to put it. Um, and the final thing you've got there, which is your Jaffels, it's basically a chocolate ball. Huh. It's like a malted milk ball. Hmm. Uh, it looks like 
the Vegemite kind of reminds me of, like it almost had a a beer taste, but it wasn't really beer. Like I don't know. It's I, try, know. I had something on the tip of my tongue while I go besides Vegemite. Yeah. Did you, ah, did you get it all? Sitting in. It really makes a butter flavor stand out. Yeah, it does. It, I really like it on crumpets. You know, crumpets, bit of hot Beans butter, crumpets? and then uh, dead crumpet. <laughs> no, not that kind of crumpet. <laughs> yeah, these so, you would typically buy at a cinema, and on the wooden floors you would roll them down the aisles, which is a waste of a good uh, hmm. a good gaffer in my view, but still. Chocolate and orange. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah. Tastes mm. like Christmas. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so you throw these down the hall in the cinema, huh? Yeah. Oh, well, you know how you've got the aisles between mm-hmm. the seats? Uh, if you've got a wooden floor, the tradition was that you would roll them down, or the kids would roll them down there. Because uh, the uh, the cinema was uh, slanted, or mm-hmm. you know, at a slight angle, so they'd roll down. You'd hear them rolling down the floor. So, uh, uh, but yeah, that's a, a bit of a tradition. But uh, yeah, no, very very popular. An- another great Australian product. Well, I bet that was really popular with the theater management. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably sold more of them. Mm, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Tommy, I say, let's split the Jaffas here. Okay. I will take the 10 Tams and you can have the Vegemite. <laughs> it's kind of different. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sending this stuff, Peter. That was, oh, yeah. That was, that was fun. Yeah. It, it was pretty cool uh, to experience that. We'll have to get you yeah, a pair of care package and send it down there sometime. Oh, I, I, yeah, that'd be nice. Um, the, uh, I'd be interested to see some of your, uh, um, your American products uh, that... Uh, uh, the things that are purely local, if you you know, uh, that you might have, but uh, it's always fun to, to see what other people do in other parts of the world. I actually tried um, now what are they called? Roll mops. Uh, I have a lot of Dutch friends, mm-hmm. and they gave me some roll mops, which is raw herring, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, not for me, I can tell you. Yeah. So, uh, I'll tell you, maybe we should send in some chitlins. Chitlins, yeah, that's a local delicacy. Uh, Chitlins, <laughs> Chitlins, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to him. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I think Vegemite beats that out. Yeah. Uh, let's see the Vegemite from Simply Australian, which is in Cincinnati, Ohio. Was yeah, it's an Australian. Uh, so they they sell Australian yeah. produce and things. So eight dollars, uh, really good. Eight dollars and fifty-seven cents. It's because it's compact. Feel yeah. how heavy that little jar. Oh is. yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit oh. cheaper here in Australia to buy. Let's see. So, the- do you guys put more of it? Obviously, you put more of it on the toast than we did here, right? Not, not, uh, a little bit more, but we certainly don't smear it on like jam. So, it's not like kind peanut of like butter. A thin layer. Sorry. It's not like not not like peanut butter. No, 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 no. It's way too strong for that. It's kind of like a garnish that just you add to the butter mm. just to give it a bit of a sharp tang or a sharp taste. And, uh, yeah, it, it works really well. But I reckon it goes re- really well with crumpets. That's the ideal way to eat it, in my view. Um, I don't even know but, what a crumpet uh, yeah, look, is. 
Yeah. We don't have crumpets here. Uh, How about no biscuits? Oh, uh, you know what they are, though. I no, trust. I don't have a clue. They're sort of like a oh. biscuit or something? It's an English thing. Um, crumpets are... Well, that's a good question. How do you describe a crumpet? I can't describe it. It's like, a, <laughs> it's it's like bread. Sort of like Vegemite. <laughs> no, it's... Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it, it's it's about the size of a slice of bread, but it's um, it's got its own texture. Uh, it's sort of flour based, but it's it's kind of got lots of lots of little holes, like Swiss cheese, hmm. to look at. And uh, but you use it uh, like the way you do toast. You put butter on it and jam or whatever you I want. I wonder to put if it's like crumpet. what we call an English muffin. If it's similar to that. Maybe. Yeah, it, it is similar to uh, an mm-hmm. English muffin, uh, but not quite. It, it's, it's a, you're getting closer, but it's sort of uh, an English muffin would be halfway to a crumpet. All right. Well, we've really had a blast here. We're glad, uh, you know, all the people who joined us here for the live stream, and we'll probably be doing that uh, probably from now on. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, See how, probably so. how this one worked out and everything. Yeah. So, it was fun. Thanks for being here, everyone. It's been a blast, and um, we'll see you back here again next month. Tommy and I are going to be at uh, Huntsville, Alabama here the last weekend of the month for Gigaparts uh, Ham Radio Day. Yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Come by, and uh, they're going to have all, lots of vendors there, and mm-hmm. big time. Yeah, I think we're going to run into Ray over there from ICOM. Uh, uh, Emmett was there last year because I talked to him, yeah. and he had the kilt on, too. Um, but that's not the reason to come to <laughs> to, to see him in the kilt. And uh, also, uh, Tom, W5KUB, is going to be live streaming from there. Mm-hmm. So you, you might want to check in there if you can't make it over to Huntsville. But uh, anyway, uh, so hopefully spring will be here by the next show. It's sure been late coming this year. But I think that's kind of universal here in the U.S. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, Back about the uh, ham radio day, I think if you go to the the uh, Google Parts website, I think they have a link on there to get some more information. Okay. On, yeah. About the day and what everything that's going on. Okay. Cool. Seven three and uh, keep the Vegemite between the biscuits or whatever you on do with toast. it on the toast, uh, away from small children, and we'll see y'all again yeah. next month. Seventy three. Seventy three. One, two. Test one, two. It doesn't look any better. No, it's uh, not. Let me just crank you up here a little more. It sounds like the audio is actually some distance away, like you're not using your lapel mic. Did you turn the switch back on? Yeah. That's a silly question. Did I turn the switch back on? <laughs>
What kind of question so is that, man? Oh, you're you're. I'm a professional. You're riding down the road, and you need some body work on your car, and there's a sign. Does it say panel beater? Yes. It does. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. I've never heard that term before. <laughs> no, no, that's a uh, very very um, uh, body shop is known as well, but that's a. a you wouldn't see it as much. It's definitely panel beaters or panel beater. For your Vegemite, you want to have a piece of toast, a bit of butter, and just a tiny weetsy bit of, um, of Vegemite. Okay. okay. Any more than that, you'll be in hospital. So is your health insurance paid up? We've been entertaining them. I did all the armpit thing as I could do and all that, man. So we're about to run out of material. Did you cover knock-knock jokes yet? Those were coming up. The other thing you've got to watch out for is a bunyip. Yeah, that's a fearsome creature. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the Aboriginals have uh, told us about it, and uh, apparently it's pretty nasty, so you don't want to run into it. What about that thing that a uh, crocodile Dundee swings over his head and makes those sounds? Oh, Do you have one of those? No, not a digital. No. That's the thing you blow in. Oh, is that what that is? It's like Australian bond or something. <laughs>